On today's episode of When Does It Get Fun, we talk to Megablast about his game development journey as he works in Unreal Engine, So Bad decries 3D modeling, and me and Mega tease our project that will never come out for the 100th time. All that and more, coming up. When, when, when does it get fun? When does it get fun? The reason that I thought to get you on in the first place, uh, Mega, was because So Bad had been talking to me about, uh, like, he wanted to discuss how a lot of game devs get into this trap of, like, trying to make their dream game, like, out of the gate, <laughs> I feel like. And we had discussed, like, because uh, you would sort of ping ideas to me about, like, what you were doing with, with your game development stuff, and... I think you started in like a similar position and then now you've sort of been uh, working out what you need to do to like accomplish. Yeah, I am very, very familiar with this trap. Uh, (laughs) Like I started probably attempting to make my dream game back in 2015. Obviously not full time, just a side thing. But, you know, off and on just hammering away at it and... You know, I've learned the painful lesson of having to cut it down to a manageable size about a hundred times by now. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm just shaving off stuff left and right, but it's finally getting to a, you know, a size I think I could pull off. So it is a very interesting discussion. Like, I'm also beginning to realize I should have started much smaller, like remaking maybe, you know, like Pong or something. <laughs> Just like get my toes wet, see how things work before, because, well, just to give some background, I was trying to recreate basically Ocarina of Time was like what I started with, like oh jeez, buddy, <laughs> exactly. That's a pretty yeah, big. That was the original though. It's since been cut down to like you know the Super Nintendo Zelda, like much less intense. <laughs> Not a 3D world. Well, I mean, I am using 3D, but yeah. So I've learned a lot of compromises. Good <laughs> for you. A lot of other stuff. But yeah, so that's where I'm at. And yeah, the game's going well, but I still, uh, I still think that I should make some other projects first, even now. Like Definitely. Yeah, just start small. Like, kind of so bad. I heard about your project where you're doing a game a month. I'm very impressed with that. And it's kind of inspired me to, I've always wanted to like do some game jam stuff. So I'm thinking about doing that just to get some more confidence with the whole pipeline, I guess. Oh, great. Well, the GMTK game jam uh, is going on until I think 1 p.m. tomorrow. So you could could stop doing this now. (laughs) You could do that. All right. So when, right uh, after the podcast. Yeah. When when you say that you're trimming down your game, do you mean the current build of the game, you're going in and tearing stuff out? Or do you mean you're going back to the whiteboard conceptually and you're peeling Straight back? Straight up whiteboard. Good for yes. you. Good for you. <laughs> it's, That's fantastic. Yeah. Wow. I mean, it's still probably far too big. I don't want to get into like all the main details of like, you know, the whole story and whatnot, but. I don't know. It's it's still too big, and I know I have to trim the fat, but 
it's manageable. I just have to, like I said, I want to do some game jam stuff, up my skills. Uh, that's something as another painful lesson in game dev. It's <laughs> like, I've been realizing you don't have to do it and learn everything. I was trying to like acquire all the skills before I started it at first. And that is a big trap. You, you just can't. <laughs> it's a lot. It's an unfathomable amount of stuff. Yep. You gotta, yeah, you gotta outsource Especially, what you yeah. can't do. And sorry, Nirvana, what are you saying? Oh, well, I cut you off. So you continue, but I'm, I'm Canadian polite. So I have to bequeath <laughs> this right, moment to you. By law. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> By order of the king, uh, uh, the governor well, general. I was going to say, especially. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> yes, <sorry>. I was. <laughs> but the king can come in and obviously overrule. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, I was going to say, especially since you're working on like a 3D environment with Unreal, which has all these complexities, there's probably a million traps of falling into like. Yeah. Yeah, like. Oh, I need to learn 3D modeling and I need to learn how to utilize like the tools for 3D level design and uh, trying to do the job of what would be like, I don't know, 50 people at a (laughs) a double A studio or something. Yeah, the 3D stuff I've been messing with on and off for years. I finally am feeling kind of confident in it, but I'm using Blender and oh my God, learning like I don't know, PBR workflows, which is physically based rendering. Like that took me forever. And it's really simple once you get into it, but holy cow. But finally, I feel some confidence with that, but it took years for the 3D modeling. Like just even understanding the terminology, like for like optimizing your model. I don't, are either of you guys into 3D modeling? I don't want to like babble about it. <laughs> the terms and stuff. <laughs> I have some vague awareness of it, but I really have no problem with people talking about esoteric stuff. And yeah, whatever. Yeah, it's it's not. Can, it's can. not for us, right? It's for whoever's uh, list. I haven't done any true, uh, true. 3D modeling for games, but uh, at a job I had once, I was doing uh, some model optimization for uh, virtual reality purposes, and there was some work with like PBR textures and stuff. So I vaguely understand what you're talking about. Right, right. Well, anyway, I was just saying, like, even the terms, it took me so long to get accustomed to, like, when people are talking about, like, retopology is basically when you, either you sculpt a high-density mesh, like, with millions of polygons, and then, I didn't understand this concept for the longest time, you go back and you basically layer a clean mesh over it like a much lower density mesh and then bake the detail from the sculpt onto it and that workflow just eluded me for the longest time i didn't understand how people were getting these sculpted models into the game and basically yeah you bake it all into a normal map texture it's it's very impressive but yeah that sort of stuff just took forever to wrap my head around i just didn't understand it (laughs) you just kind of get lost in the sea of all the information I feel like the 3D... Yeah, I mean, so much of Go ahead. 3D stuff seems like it's just about, like, <laughs> it is about optimization. Yep. Like, I, I have seen a lot of stuff to do with uh, 3D modeling where they are talking about that kind of thing, where it's, like, working out what your limitations are and, <clears throat> and like, what's actually going to run well, uh, like, in a 3D environment. 
It's yeah. a lot. It's it feels very technical, just that whole three D space. And I, I was such it a does. noob with it at work because we just needed something to run, and we didn't care if it looked terrible. So I'd be bringing yeah. models into Blender and just like mesh decimating them, <laughs> just trying to oh, cut yeah, down yeah, on yeah. the just polygons. The decimation modifier, dude. Yeah, and yeah. being like, it's it's VR. You know, <laughs> the the couch can be kind of polygonal. That's fine. It's just you know whatever yeah. works. Perfect. But yeah, you're right. If you are diving into your dream game and you're like, let's do it, you know, an Unreal Engine and let's just make this gorgeous game, then you could lose mm-hmm. six months just learning how to Easily. do 3D modeling, Easily. you know, or you're <laughs> like, oh, I got to learn how to do like procedural terrain generation. You spend a yep. few months doing that. And then at the end of those months, you realize that there's a tool that does that for you. <laughs> you know, oh, like somebody's yeah. <laughs> somebody's already figured that out. And so uh having to make games in tighter timelines kind of forces you to look for those shortcuts and you start realizing yep. the wealth of uh tooling that's available to you so you just don't have to reinvent the wheel every every step of the way you know yeah and that is a great thing to realize <laughs> i was like i don't know why but it, I, when i got into game design i just wanted to make every single one of my own tools and stuff i just had some aversion to using other people's stuff for some reason it's a weird one and you shouldn't. So, but yeah, it's just something I had to get over. It's not. Cra- I mean, it depends, right? There's there's times where yeah, something simple uh, has been done for you. So why not just you know use the use the tool that exists and is widely available and everybody loves. But uh, mm-hmm. there, there could be this mentality of like taking on a dependency for your project, where you're using a tool that you didn't make and you don't understand and. Oh, yeah. you don't know how to fix it if it's not working and that sort of thing. Yep. Or if, you know, you update the engine and then that tool is no longer compatible with the new version of the engine somehow and it's been abandoned. So it's not going to be updated. And then you have a huge problem on your hands. So it's a trade off of your time concern. right now for maybe a loss of time later if stuff breaks and you don't know why. That's So it's not totally yeah. crazy, but definitely, yeah, if there's like, you know, don't go inventing like shader graph if you can just yeah, use shader you don't graph, need to, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you don't need to write your own shader graph. Let's not do that. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, shaders are another thing that took me a while to get into, but they're fun. I, I didn't understand like multiplying masks and all that for a while, but eh, you could do so much with shaders. It's crazy. I recommend everyone, if you're doing game dev, you know, you should get into that shader graph quickly. It's just fantastic. I do think there's, well, I don't know, there's sometimes like a bit of weird stigma around using certain tools. Like even for Doom, uh, there's stuff like the stair builder tool, for instance. Oh my like God, the light, yeah. lighting gradient tool, things like that, where... Like, curve tool. Like for me, yeah, the, the curve tool. But like, I will use the stair builder tool... Uh, I like a lot, but I won't use the lighting gradient tool. <laughs> I like to be like, <laughs> really, I do all my lighting gradients manually because I like to have control over like each individual step of sense. the gradient. Yeah, that kind of makes but, sense. And, yeah, and like people like Rubix and Tourniquet, they won't use the stair builder tool. It, like if you look at one of their maps, every one of the sectors within a sector is drawn manually by both of them. Yeah, I mean, that sounds like hell to me but <laughs> <laughs> hey they make some pretty good maps so who am i <laughs> how much of that well, is me, that's like, in though is my question yeah. well there's problems with the stair builder tool where 
you don't actually get perfect circles a lot of the time. Is why Rubik's won't use it, for instance. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. So he prefers to make sure that like this the inner circles uh vertices like match correctly to the outer circles vertices. Which I don't care so much about that. Unless it's for something very specific. Um but yeah, I mean, you know, they have their reasons, I guess. Yeah. But I do think everyone should explore all the tools in there, like in Doom Builder. I do find watching people like stream mapping and stuff, it's shocking how many people well, maybe they've explored them in the past, but they just seem to ignore like half the features as they're building. Oh, geez, man, you don't have to go for my throat right off the bat there. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't specifically watched you map so bad, but <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I made I've released one map ever. I'm no good at it. And while I was doing it, uh, Inferno kept coming in the chat. God bless him. And you would just have to keep pointing out like you're doing this wrong. You're breaking this if you do that. And he was right about every, like he helped so much. <laughs> but it's just like I, you'd have no idea what you're doing wrong until someone yeah, comes exactly. along. And they're like, yeah, you can't do that. It's going to break this map in GZ Doom. You know, if your conveyor is <laughs> yeah. less than eight units or something. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. The uh, if you stream mapping, you'll you'll instantly find out about 10 times more about it than you knew. Because, yeah. I mean, when I was I was streaming mapping breathless and and Pinchy came in and told me about the stair builder tool and how to use it for like making those like step down gradients and stuff and yeah pretty much the most useful thing ever i think turner k also came in and gave me a bunch of advice uh that was really useful later on um but i think it is about being <laughs> like sometimes yeah like just poking around in the tools uh as a separate exercise can be useful yeah. Uh, in and of itself just to figure out because so much of like do mapping is just knowing how to use the editor like that's why people can make these great maps is because they know okay well i just have to do this to get this result yeah there's a lot of really interesting tools i mean even just the shape tools you could do a lot with in ultimate doom builder like the uh circle you can make stars with and the grid tool can be really useful. Uh, what are other things like Bemused and his uh, the tag range? He tagged like four thousand sectors by hand when he <laughs> could have tag range. Oh, yeah. I don't I mean think it was a flotsam map. <laughs> yeah, God, I'm so fucking but, mad. Yeah, Bemused was funny like that thing. Yeah, he he didn't know about the tag ranges, and I think he made like a lighting sequence that was also tied to a bunch of two four twos, I believe, and yep. he. Did every single one of them manually, and yeah, it was something like it was hundreds of tags that he did manually, and then <laughs> I think it might have been Rubix who was like, "Oh, like you just you can just drag across all the sectors, and it's like two clicks, and it's done." Oh, After he stayed up all night working on it, so that's kind of the number Oof. one problem. Well, my okay, so we we've all done what mega you've described you've done where you you sit down and you want to get into game dev because you have your idea for a dream game and Mm -hmm. you have no concept of how long that's going to take or what how arduous the process is going to be and uh it doesn't seem to matter how many people the rest of us say don't do that uh you're going to do it anyway and i did and everybody's going to do it and we just can't seem to learn from others mistakes but You'll be given reasons like don't do that because your game will be worse because you're not a good game dev yet. 
and people will hand wave that away where they'll be like, well, I'm really smart. I'm brilliant. So my game's going to be great no matter what. And then people say like, okay, well, you know, if you do that, your, your code base is going to be in shambles because you're learning programming at the same time oh, you're doing yeah. this. And then they'll be, well, I'm going to be really careful and I'm going to go back and I'm going to fix things every time I realize I could do something better. And they're just hand waving it away. And then uh, someone else might come by and say that, uh, you know, your your design's not going to be good. And it's just all of these things that people just can't or you're going to give up. Right. They'll be like, your game won't even get done. Yeah. Like you're just going to burn out. And they'll be like, no, I'm really committed. The one for me that I think can't be hand waved away is the simple idea that if you start your dream game right now, if it's your first game, you're going to spend mm-hmm. four years making a game that takes eight months to make. Whereas even if it's not worse, which it will be, even if you finish it, which you won't, you know, perfect world. You just took like five (laughs) times as long to uh, to make your map or your uh, your game. Pardon me. If instead you just spent like two years making little burner learner games and learning the ropes. And then after those two years, you sat down to make your dream game. You might be able to make that eight month game in one year. And now your game actually comes out sooner because you didn't start it right now and that idea that like you know the voyager probes out in deep space and then like 40 <laughs> years later or whatever we make a new probe and it overtakes the old probe no matter how big of a head start it had we just have better technology later and we go through and that tooling is a great example of that of you you know you're learning and learning and then you realize oh my god there's a tool that does this in five seconds and i would have yeah. done this you know over the course of five weeks so you want to learn that stuff on little projects that aren't important to you so that when you sit down and make your dream game, you're just a 50 times more efficient developer. But it just seems to be a lesson we all have to learn ourselves <laughs> because we refuse to take advice from other people. It, I think past me would have disagreed with you, but present me definitely <laughs> agrees with you. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's a very important, like even today, uh, like I'm learning 3D animation right now. And if I was working on my dream game, I wouldn't want to put my shitty first animation I make into that game. I'd try to perfect it forever. Whereas if I'm making something I don't really care that much about, it's going to be like a month long project or a couple months, whatever. Like I can just put some jank animation in there, learn from it and uh, move on. (laughs) Yep. Absolutely. It's it's great. And you need to see, oh, sorry. That's yeah. This, this delay, you know, um, (laughs) I was just going to say it's difficult. Yeah. it's definitely okay. delay <laughs> this i'm being judged by the the canadian here <laughs> the politeness i clearly don't have it's it. rude of you to live on the other side of the planet so that we have this delay it's true yeah disgusting behavior um okay. i was gonna say that it's definitely I feel like this whole thing is compounded a little bit because you end up with people being like, oh, well, like, Toby Fox made Undertale, like, pretty much by himself. And then, like, you know, like, Minecraft, that was, like, nearly all one guy. Like, you have the... I feel like these types of people... A lot of game devs get this concept, like, oh, well, it's possible, so I should just continue until it's done. Like, it's just hard work and determination that I need, you know? Yeah. And that that's why I prefer the argument of you're, you're actually just delaying your game. E- even if you aren't a quitter and you aren't going to burn out and you are a super genius and your game's going to be no worse, it's just going to come out later than if you don't start it yet and you do other smaller projects first and then start your dream game. 
it, it almost certainly is going to come out sooner, which I, I think is, is harder to handle. Like if you're, if that's important to you, if you want, why wouldn't you want your dream game to be done sooner and out in the world for people to enjoy? Right. Right. As, as well as better. But even if you're ignoring the fact that it'll be better because you think you're a genius and it's going to be amazing no matter what, it's just why, why take longer to do something when you could just, you know, build a better engine and then go out for a drive and go way, way, way faster. Yeah. I mean, I think there is also a thing where, you know, when we get into game design, we're really excited about, you know, the dream idea. So it kind of fuels you to keep going. So you might not want to do some smaller little project, you know? Yeah, absolutely. That's, you know what, that's a great point. Because the other thing I find is that, and I've, I've talked about this before briefly with Nirvana, but I, I think that people will mistake themselves for being interested in game development and they're not mm -hmm. they're just really interested in this game idea that they have and in yep. those situations i think it's even more important to make a bunch of small games that aren't as important to you because they're done earlier you've seen the whole process front to back of game development and now you'll know about yourself did i enjoy that do i like game development because if you do a couple right. of those and you think this sucks i hated this whole process then you'll save yourself a ton of time before you start this five-year, you know, <laughs> dream game project and then realize, man, I hate this. <laughs> this sucks, right? Yeah, it might be good to find out early. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I guess everybody's different, but that that would be a real deciding factor for me is actually, like, go write a play and be done, and then you'll know if you like writing plays, right? It should be mm -hmm. independent of the idea for this particular story you should you should like the processor not like the processor or what have you yeah i think the front to back is important with game development as well because the feedback portion of that where the thing is out of your hands uh and now you have to sit back and take in what people are saying about what you've just made uh i think that's easier to deal with when you've just sort of put something together quickly or yeah, you didn't spend five it's years like, <laughs> yeah like say you spend this five years on this thing and you release it i think you're also just not you're not as equipped to handle fixing problems as well like uh, doing a lot of smaller things like obviously you could look at me and be like oh well you, like you made breathless first and that was like because that was like my first big release i guess mm -hmm. For the doom community and like oh well that's like pretty ambitious and like a big big map to start with uh and it was but i had you know i'd made maps shitty little maps for myself for 10 years or something you know but <laughs> before yeah. that that no one ever saw um and so i just feel like so much of it is trial and error and so much of it is learning from your mistakes and it's also understanding what parts of the process are important and the the releasing something is such a huge part of of the actual process of developing something like i think people forget that that like the ability to actually start an idea do the middle part and then finish it that is a big deal that is a, like that will let you know whether you are ready to sort of develop something larger i think yeah i agree Absolutely. And the other thing that, you know, kind of brought up a good point is 
another avenue is modding is a huge thing for game developers. Like getting into modding, you can release stuff very fast and get some feedback and see how people, you know, like your ideas and stuff. I I started modding back in like Warcraft 2. Um, just, you know, 1v1 maps and stuff. But then Warcraft 3, I did a whole bunch of stuff. I worked on like optimizing a bunch of people's maps. And, you know, I released a couple things here and there. They weren't that great, but, you know, I got some feedback and... I worked on like a Dota clone with some friends and, you know, we learned all sorts of stuff. I learned how loops worked and all sorts of basic coding knowledge and then moved on to StarCraft 2 and Doom. So modding is a huge thing for getting quick feedback on like even multiplayer projects with Warcraft and StarCraft or with Doom, you can get single player level design feedback very fast and usually pretty detailed the people in the doom community are amazing at feedback but yeah i think anyone that's wanting to do game design should get into modding just as a prerequisite and do you find that uh and i'm speaking emotionally here the feelings involved do you find that being able to take that feedback is a skill that you've developed over time or do you find that you're sort of still as sensitive to the negativity as you were on day one how have you seen yourself develop through that process? Um, I don't know. I've kind of like, it's not good to say you're immune to like negativity because some of it's very valid, but like a lot of it's like being confident enough in your own design where you can, you know, you take the negative in and you, you make sure there's not a serious problem. But generally if I really, Feel like I did something the way I set out to do it you know I just look at the positives and move on to the next project unless it's going to be something that lives for a long time like a multi multiplayer mod that I need to balance or something but yeah when that negativity comes in if let's say hypothetically that they're correct they say hey I think you really messed this thing up they don't mince their words they're a real Dave they tell you hey you you fuck this up pretty bad and you need to fix it <laughs> a real Dave and you, you, Dave, Dave's our little inside joke here. Uh, my best friend, Dave. But uh, you, so you hear that negativity and you think about it and you go, oh my gosh, they're right. Like they're totally right. You really messed it up. Your emotional reaction to that, it, has it differed over the years as you've encountered those situations? Are you still feeling bad about yourself? Were you ever, is there no emotional component whatsoever? And you just go, oh no, you're totally right. I need to fix that. I'm just I'm interested in sort of your character arc as a modder turned game dev putting things out into the mm -hmm. world and getting negative feedback that was accurate at the time. You know, what what's that been like that experience? I mean, obviously when I was younger like I mean, I started modding at like 10 years old or something, just basic mods, but I mean, you never like to get like a, as a 10 year old, someone tells you your map sucks, <laughs> you're a little distraught, <laughs> but I guess just over time, I've just, I mean, if someone's very sincere in their feedback, there's a difference between someone just saying this is absolute shit and, you know, coming to you like, and just telling you it's bad. And these are the things you could do to make it better in their opinion. Like, you know, there's constructive feedback and then there's just people that just hate it and are trying to make you feel bad or something. <laughs> I don't know. But I feel like I have grown. Like, I really do value people who will. 
if something sucks, I want to know about it. Like, I don't want to just brush it under the rug and pretend it's great. But love that. Yeah. Like, you got to take it into account. Do you? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, (laughs) what is this gotcha journalism you're doing here? This is supposed to be your friend. Throwing oddballs. <laughs> yeah, I was sitting there thinking, and then that. Yeah. Nirvana doesn't uh, like you crunching I mean, numbers. I mean, not always. You don't always have. <laughs> well, we were literally just talking to uh, to Paul Punky in the previous episode, which was recorded a long time ago. Uh, not to yeah. show people how the sausage is made or anything. Yeah. Um, but we were just talking about like how some feedback is, like, worthwhile to listen to, but then, because I was saying how, like, as I've gotten, you know, more confident in what I'm making and and better at what I'm making, you do get to a point where you're like, well, these ideas I know I'm going to keep, and even if I get feedback on them that's bad or, or like, super negative or whatever, I I like them the way they are, even if they're obtuse and they might make people frustrated, (laughs) I'm going to leave them in. Uh... (laughs) <laughs> so, yeah, it's interesting that yeah, you're talking about this negative feedback, but I wonder if you're sort of slowly reaching that point as well of like, well, these ideas I'm confident enough in that I'm not going to change these. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, you've seen maybe a little bit of that when we've been mapping together as well. Like I've made some very questionable <laughs> platforming sections that we've uh, went back and forth on that I really wanted to give more of a chance. <laughs> Even though you didn't like, them. I'm trying to think. I think in the green map that remember I made those like really jank. They're like liquid platforms. I don't know. This was so long ago at this point. Might not even remember. Maybe not. It, yeah, but me and Meg are working on a project. Uh, it's uh, ongoing for 20 years. Yeah, this uh, is. I mean, we're hoping it will get released. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah. He, Shouldn't have started he makes with some really dream interesting game. stuff. <laughs> Bad move. Never start with your yeah, dream. Yeah, we did I mean, start with the dream. Uh, <laughs> I well, do think what like another reason that I wanted to have you on aside from your own game dev uh experience that that you've been having making your game is that we have worked on a lot of stuff together which <laughs> we never release, but uh, yeah. like two major projects I guess. One which like it will definitely come out um that we're working on now for for MBF for Doom. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think that like you haven't released a ton of stuff for Doom, but I just think it's always very obvious to me when people understand gameplay. And obviously, like I'm, we're working together because we have similar sensibilities in what we're looking for in games, right. uh, which is obviously important. But I, even when I first saw something that you designed, like a first fight that you made for something we were working on together. I was like, okay, this guy like gets it. Like I I can just tell that you understood the elements that make Doom fun, at least to me. Uh, And so (laughs) I think like working on this project, even though we like butt heads on stuff, I think there's like a a lot of synergy there. Oh yeah, definitely. I was just bringing up like one of the few things we disagree (laughs) on. Just as an example. But yeah, thank I you. I think we're both pretty honest about stuff, though. Like, we will yeah. just tell the other person, like, this is not very fun. Or whatever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just a couple of good, Daves. <laughs> <laughs> Love to hear it. But yeah. 
one day that project will come out. The other one, I don't know if we should even speak of it, but... Oh, now you have we to. We speak of it. <laughs> I don't think we should speak about too much of the details, but... Yeah. <laughs> okay. We I have, mean, like, but... a GZDM project that we have been working on. It, it does a lot of very unique things, so we're always, like, a little hesitant to speak about the details just because if it ever does come out, I mean... It's going to blow the lid off the <laughs> okay, doom. Okay, dude. <laughs> Let's not hype people up too much. <laughs> uh, it's going to be a gaming revolution is all I'm saying. Oh, uh, shit. But, I mean, I don't know what you do and don't want to say about it. I mean, it's like, it's got hubs involved. It's got, uh, well, I don't know what we should say, dude. We didn't pre-talk about this. I don't want to blow the yeah that's true well i guess let me turn it yeah, into yeah, something and yeah. in, into it like Fix something this. actually <laughs> useful for the podcast <laughs> uh but um <laughs> but i guess like when when you're working on like the game that you're working on now i mean i know like mm-hmm. some of the the details of it but um i guess what i've noticed when we make stuff together is that I feel like you try to go for, like, creating something very unique. Like, you've come up with ideas in Doom that I haven't really seen other people do before. Uh, but I know that you, mm-hmm. like, you were talking about how you wanted it to be, like, Ocarina of Time and stuff. And how much of, like, the... Because <laughs> you're talking about a lot of the traps with game development, and I wonder if the ideas portion of game development has been a bit of a trap for you in terms of trying to make things unique and trying to put in a lot of ideas into one game, like maybe too many ideas at once. Like, do you find that you get stuck in that ideas portion before you can like move on and actually start building stuff? Yeah, I do find I spend a lot of time in like the document phase, like planning everything out and writing a story and, you know, figuring out mechanics and how they're going to interact and systems. And I mean, I, I don't know. Actually, listening to your podcast with all the Doom members coming on Nirvana, uh, Evening with Nirvana, has made me realize I need to take inspiration from like a lot of other things a lot more. Like, I, I try to do stuff on my own too much. Like, I don't, like, when I'm mapping, I don't look at other people's maps, which I probably should <laughs> when I'm stumped and have mappers block. <laughs> I probably should be looking through my favorite wads and you know, remixing encounters and coming up with new ideas that way. And that probably is why some of my stuff is more unique because I'm just sitting at the editor trying to literally invent stuff out of there. <laughs> yeah, it's, I think that's one of the biggest traps. And it's a trap in like creative writing as well, where I think people don't think about writing as work. They think about it as like, well, yeah. you have to wait for the idea to like strike you out of the ether or whatever. But if you sit down and you force yourself to write, you know, three, five thousand words a day, mm-hmm. or you force yourself to make a do map in two hours, uh, you will get better at producing ideas, in, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. It is definitely something you can train 100%. I've noticed it just in like, I don't know, a small amount of time we were mapping. Nirvana and I were doing like a speed map thing. I don't know, 
we did like three or four speed maps where we gave ourselves an hour to complete each map and even just doing that for like i don't know five six times i noticed a huge improvement in like coming up with ideas quickly so so what you're saying is you should maybe make small games game jams yes you know (laughs) tying back to that it is very good to make small games you'll learn your tools you'll learn some skills you'll get to put them into practice and uh, you'll get some feedback yeah i was playing today uh your i think tesseract i think is the name of the map it's the one you did with Zul for mayhem purple and uh first of all i haven't played doom in a while so i was pretty rusty and that map kicked my ass inside sorry (laughs) it was hard It's a hard map. And I I was seeing the ingredients that I (laughs) recognize. I mean, I could always be wrong, but I was recognizing Zul's influence at Mm -hmm. at certain points. Like there, like, again, correct me if I'm wrong, but there's a part at the end of the map where there's like a maze you have to traverse. And if you walk over the wall of the (laughs) maze, you get teleported to an instant death pit and there's no escape. And that feels very Zul to me. Mm -hmm. But there was a part that I was curious who had more influence on, or maybe it was a joint effort. But it's where all the uh, the kamikaze bomber guys are coming in and just droves. And you're having to weave your way through the crowd. And you're just, with a super shotgun, having to make these openings where you're just causing chain reactions of explosions yep. to like clear a wall of guys, get to the other side, and keep going. It's just pure fun uh, the whole time. <laughs> I thought it was brilliant and was surprised Damn. I hadn't seen too much of that. So do you? Rem- I know it's asking you to go back, but do you remember kind of how that was how that came to be if that was sort of more you or zool or or what the thinking was behind it well i remember because that was 100 percent me nice uh, zool <laughs> mr zool had made the structure there in the middle and he's just like i don't know what to do with this so i made uh the encounter with the cyber demon right before that where there's the hell knights and the arch files and you're kind of having to use your mind's eye to yeah you know dodge that cyber demon it's a it's kind of a pain in the ass fight and blame nirvana he got that buffed like three times when i sent it to him (laughs) (laughs) i think i dodged the cyber demon blindly or something and then you got really mad and you added the arch files if i remember i just sent it to him he's like i beat it it was like (laughs) 10 seconds later it's like okay (laughs) but anyway then I had no idea what to do with the big next room that you're talking about with the kamikaze guys. And I don't really know how it came about, but yeah, I just wanted to create like a set piece and yeah, I just started playing with the kamikaze guys. I wanted to work them into the map at some point because Zol said he had not used them. And yeah, I came up with that. Like the intended strat, I saw a lot of people had trouble with that fight but i did i definitely did it's way harder okay, than it looks okay. i think yeah 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 but the intended strat i found one that was completely consistent where you do like a figure eight pattern from left to right like you know between the two waterfalls at either end of the room you can do this like gigantic figure eight and you kind of just blow them up right at the correct times to run through the uh cracks as they close back in on you <laughs> but but yeah and then you know, just added a bunch of guys pretty much for show on the the giant uh, like stadium looking thing stands shooting down on you as you do it because they just blow up more guys as you're <laughs> running around just to add to the the fun of it. And yeah, so I did that whole part. I 
I got a couple parts nerfed near the end, I remember. We had some balanced discussions on the, the maze part. The maze is brutal. Uh, <laughs> if you remember the Hell Knights in the maze that are throwing stuff at you, yeah. all of those used to be revenants. So you'd have to dodge rev rockets while doing the maze. Oh, wow. That's dog shit. <laughs> <laughs> it was very difficult. You know, Zold didn't think it needed to be nerfed, but I was getting destroyed going through that. Oh, man. So, that's unacceptable. Yeah, I think Zol had a real tendency to make maps. For, I mean, he discloses it himself in the text files and stuff that most of the maps, if not all of them, that he makes are like yeah. they were for himself. Yeah, he, so, like, the difficulty level was at, at his level. But I'm glad. Which is not for the lower tier Doom <laughs> players. Yeah. Like, it's not for the bottom 99.99%. The bottom 99. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. However, I am glad you were able to pick that fight out because that is one of my fights. And it is, I, I suppose it is very different from the rest of the map. Yeah, it stands out for sure. It feels very, because the rest of the, from the very first fight in that map, it's really testing the player, really testing uh, yeah. the player. Lots of Archvile Revenant setups and you just have the super shotgun. So they're very extended. You have to not only mm -hmm. play well, but play well for a very long period of time. You can't just get lucky and f kill everything in like 20 seconds with the rocket launcher. And then, yeah, you get to that room and it just feels fun forward. Like the purpose of it is to just be kind of comical and yep. <laughs> a good time to execute. And it feels so fresh. It helps the pacing of the whole map, especially before you go into that maze at the end, which Thank is you. Yeah. just <laughs> devastating. So, yeah, I mean, I was talking to Nirvana on a previous episode about how I love seeing modders of games and this goes for doom mappers it goes for your uh warcraft 3 mods and things of that nature that when you see a really clever modder gameplay element and something uh that's not necessarily your game i think that's the hallmark of somebody who's going to go on to be a great game designer because you're just thinking in creative ways uh so i was excited to see that and i'm, I'm happy to hear that it was you and it makes me uh very interested to try out uh, projects as you put them out in your own game projects because it just sounds like you have a good ear for what's a good time if that makes sense yeah, yeah thank you for the praise <laughs> much appreciated but yeah i'm excited to put more stuff out i really don't have like a massive catalog of things that are public but <laughs> you know soon i i really am inspired by your uh one game a month thing so i have i've written down like five or six ideas i want to power through and make them a reality like maybe one or two months at a time maybe not one month, but i'll do yeah just short projects and then well Serbad is killing himself just as <laughs> yeah it thought. sucks <laughs> okay dude don't tell me that <laughs> no it's 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 just very hard it, it's it happening at a time hard. in my life where i have so much other bullshit nonsense happening that it's tough to juggle but it's very fulfilling i think the most important thing is that you'll i i've come to discover that burnout in game dev doesn't come from like uh you know working on something for too long it's just or working for too long or too much in general it's not seeing yep. the fruits of your labor for too long oh yeah 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 yeah. so i'm working my that, ass off mm -hmm. to put out a game yeah. every month when time allows and i'm not feeling burnt out on it at all because at the end of every month i get that huge endorphin rush of i did it it's done it's out there it's weird maybe it sucks but it's done and then i get to try <laughs> right. a new idea so i i, exactly. I highly recommend it if you 
you know, I guess have the constitution for it. I don't know what you need, but uh, and send your stuff my way when you do it. I would love to give it a try and, uh, sure. and see what you're up to. And I mean, I'm not like I mean that for real. I uh, I would love okay. to see that stuff. I will note it down. <laughs> I will definitely do that. You better. Uh, hopefully. I had something I wanted to say while you were saying that, and it's completely left my brain. Oh, sorry. I was going to say that I think that is such a good point, though, about the, the endorphin rush thing. Of, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, speaking back to what I was talking about earlier, where releasing the thing is such an important part of the process, and, and a lot of that is because you need you do need to see the fruits of your labor. Like, it can't just be labor all the yep. fucking time. <laughs> like, and... I mean, I've talked separately to you guys and a little bit on the podcast about <laughs> about this fucking ogre battle. Oh, dear lord. Uh, <laughs> the ogre modding battle. that I was doing. I watched that <laughs> and, episode. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, well, I reached like this. I just kept reaching impasses over and over because, I mean, as I said, like, I can't. I don't know assembly or anything, so I can't go in and yeah. change a lot of the stuff that I wanted to change. And I was just working with Hex, and I was so limited in what I could do that I just reached this point where I just, every single time I had a positive, there was a negative immediately after. Like, yeah, that can be oh, I changed this and this works, but now there's like some animation bug that's tied into that that I now have to figure out, okay, well, why is there an animation bug? And then like every single time I changed something, I ended up with this problem and it just wore me down and it, it took the fun out of it. So I, I've, I've put it off for a little while now and I might go back to it, but god it can get really frustrating when you when you don't get to actually uh, like i really do think you need to go in and like just play test your stuff and play test it without without looking for bugs and without looking for errors you need yeah. to go in and just play your own work and try to have fun doing it <laughs> sometimes so that the process <laughs> doesn't feel like work all the time i think there is, like, I don't know. Like, game dev can be, like, super lonely in a way. Like, you will spend, uh, sometimes you'll spend, like, upwards of a week or something on a certain feature, and maybe it's not that impressive to show off to people. But, like, you'll get it done, you'll be really excited, and you'll send it to someone, and they'll just be like, cool. And, you know, you kind of want more of a response than that <laughs> when you yeah. just spent a week working on something. but. It's just not, you just got to like reconcile that it's not, you just got to be happy for yourself on those kind of wins. And that took me a while to like, just being able to enjoy that you finished something. And, and even if it's just, I don't know, some system or mechanic that people just expect to be there, but you had a slave over making it work. Yeah. Yeah, just sometimes it can be disheartening when like, yeah, you show it to people and they're like, okay, I, you know, I'm glad you have that feature. But... <laughs> There's no <laughs> well, congratulations. To be... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think that is why you have to be prepared a little bit in terms yeah. of feedback because there's a lot of stuff like in Fractured Worlds or whatever where <laughs> I make something and I'm like looking at it like, fuck, this is brilliant. Like I'm yeah. a genius or whatever. <laughs> and it might be some aesthetic thing that I think looks really nice or whatever. And then you realize, like, when people start playing it, nobody even notices that it <laughs> exactly. happened. Like, which sometimes is a telling sign that it's it's good occasionally. There are definitely instances where, where that's a good thing, but 
<laughs> but sometimes you're like, man, I really wish people would fucking point out those textures I put there. <laughs> yeah, right? What I see all the time browsing uh, like indie game uh, boards and posts on like Reddit and uh, Itch.io uh, or itch.io. I don't know how people are pronouncing it. I want to be cool. Tell me what the right itch. answer is. Itch. I don't know. Let's just say itch. We'll agree right now. Uh, okay. But what you'll see is new devs and they'll they make this mistake. Of, like your own accomplishment is wrapped up in what you've done. So you have lost perspective on how interesting it is intrinsically. So people will post something like, oh, working on my game. Here's my character controller. What do you think? And sorry, mm-hmm. buddy. The answer is no one gives a shit. And it's not <laughs> right. that no one's happy to see you succeeding in game dev, but like it's a character. Like there's nothing for us to be excited about. Your excitement exactly. is coming from you made a character controller work for the first time, and you're like, oh my god, it works, and that's amazing. And you think that that's there for fun, but it's not for anybody mm-hmm. else. So it's so so <laughs> yeah. important to be uh, doing, you know, again these small projects to get that stuff out of your system before you're actually, you know, making a legit game. But just you need to. Uh, be understanding where the fun and intrigue is coming from for other people versus yourself. And in those early days, you're always going to be so enamored with what you can't believe you were able to pull off successfully. And fucking mm-hmm. nobody else cares. Like, oh, cares. I updated my main menu. What do you think? <laughs> and it's like, it's yeah. a menu, dude. <laughs> nobody, it's not a game, right? And it's it's yep. tough because you want to be supportive. And sometimes I'll be in there trying to be supportive. but. It's just, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't want to be one of those people that's like, keep it to yourself. But uh, there is this sense of like, just try to kind of get your sea legs or whatever you want to call it and get those things out of your system before you go looking for that feedback or you will get the response that you just described, Mega, uh, which is like, people are just like, cool, you know, and you can tell that they don't care. And that almost hurts more than any negative (laughs) feedback because they just don't, they don't feel anything. Well, you also get these people who post every single step of their process that they're doing, which, I mean, sometimes you don't want to see how a game is built from the ground up or whatever, I feel like. Uh, and you see it with Doom Wads too, and, and people just get disinterested, I think. Like, A, once they've... Like, A, there's, like, some Doomworld thread, and it's, like, somebody's posted a screenshot of, like, every, like, 500 screenshots of their map, and they're, like, okay, I've just finished map two. Okay, map three, now finish, here's some screenshots. All right, guys, map four or whatever. And I don't know if they think, I don't know if they're just having that excitement, or if there's some weird element where they, uh, they think it's, like, some marketing strategy or something. (laughs) But I feel like... Sometimes the more you see of something, the quicker you get sick of it. Like, before you've even played the game. Like, I I remember, like, when Cyberpunk was coming out, they kept releasing these, like, full videos of, like, gameplay that occurred in the game. And, like, I feel like they just over-marketed that game so much that it, like, killed a lot of the elements that I was excited for in the game. But, like, before I even played it. And the, I I noticed that there's things that have passive efficacy and things that have active efficacy where your players will actually notice that they're getting uh, enjoyment from that or something out of it and it's easy to confuse the two I'll, I'll never forget a tweet i saw once like way way like 10 years ago i don't know how i stumbled across this but it was somebody just announcing that they've got new thumbnails for their youtube channel 
and they, wow. and they felt the need to tweet. They're like, hey, guys, the new thumbnails are out for the YouTube channel. Like, I went back and changed all the thumbnails. And it's like they're identifying they're, – they're correct in that thumbnails matter, and they're very important for, like, click-through rates and, you know, people watching your video. But passively, people don't realize that they're having that effect on them, and they don't actively care. Nobody gets excited about your thumbnails. And so just that disconnect between – what people want to hear about versus what you do need to be doing behind the scenes. And I just mm-hmm. remember seeing that and being like, what is going on here that this person <laughs> thinks that fucking anyone cares that they've changed all their <laughs> thumbnails for their video. But you'll see that in game dev too, where just people are making small little polish changes to their game that absolutely matter. They need to be doing it, but you don't go make a Reddit post about it. Like just nobody just in. Yeah, it doesn't matter. To other In a totally unrelated nerd, I had recently updated the thumbnails for our channel. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> and Huge I announcement. So bad a message about it, and uh, <laughs> I think maybe that's what he's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's fine yeah. for me because we're behind the scenes. But I bet you yeah, didn't that, announce you that. Know, that's a be- in a community yeah. post. I was about to, but I'll I'll delete all the drafts. <laughs> Close call. Holy Close call. <laughs> uh, I wanted to ask Mega a question. And mm-hmm. I apologize for changing gears here, but uh, you seem to be operating in a, a realm that I, I'm i not in because I make really weird experiments almost exclusively in 2D because I just like okay. prototyping stuff really quick. Or at least everything I've re- I think everything I've released has been in 2D, uh, whatever I can get like Dave to make art for or what have you. Um, so I do think that, you know, when you're making a 3D game and you're including modeling and things of that nature, it it does get objectively more complex. And so what I'm interested to hear, and you're doing this all by yourself, is do you find yourself having to switch modes in your brain where there's game designer mode where you're thinking about what's fun and then there's like the actual developer mode of your brain where you're thinking about code and you're thinking about polygons and optimization. Like, can you can you switch back and forth between those really quickly and do them all in the same day, or are you like me, where I need to sit down and say, okay, today I'm going to figure out what's going to be fun, and I can't think about code at all. And tomorrow, if I need to be thinking about code and architecture, I just am not going to be able to know what's fun and what's not fun. Hmm. Interesting. I mean, I think I'm kind of a mix. Some days I'm like that, but I find like as I get more familiar with 3D modeling and stuff, like if I'm like I was doing a first person shooter prototype uh, a while back and I needed like an explosive barrel. So like I was doing all the coding that day, but I did just pop over to Blender, make a barrel real quick, you know, get some textures on it. And some days I'm able to just fly between them, but... Uh, I don't know. I do like what you're describing as I do like binging on a certain, like I will get in programmer modes where that is just what I want to do for a month. And I think that does help get things done because if you're bouncing too much between everything, you just get mixed up. You start like, I don't know. It's difficult. <laughs> it's difficult to explain. <laughs> I've never really thought about it, like my process. Um, I'm definitely a mix. 
Like I do some sometimes you where you're you're switching between modes, but sometimes I'll get into a flow where where I have to do multiple things and uh, it it works out fine. So yeah. It's interesting. Like I, I've never thought about it. It kind of tripped me up a little bit there. I'd never thought about it either before uh, I worked on a game with uh, Ponky and April together and watching that guy context shift instantaneously back and forth. He could do some art and then he could do some code and then he could do some, is this fun? Should we change this aspect of the design and then go back to code and then go back to this other thing? And it's just, there was no, sl- like all modes of his brain were active at the same time. And it was only watching somebody do that so effectively where I realized I can't do that. If I'm, if I'm programming today, I can't tell you if something in the game is fun. Like you need to come talk to me tomorrow because I'll just give you bad answers. Yeah, I think I'm a little more fluid than you're describing. Like I will program something that get in and play test it and then start testing some other aspects, see if they're fun. Like I, I do mix it up a lot. Um, so yeah, I like to jump around a little bit more, but I'm probably not as flexible as you were just describing Ponky. <laughs> I'm, I'm in between you guys. We'll go well, he's that. a freak, so. <laughs> <laughs> the guy's just a genius. It, it really upsets me. But that's cool. It's, not, like, it's, it's like a superpower to hear people be able to do that. Like, if I'm going to stream Doom one day, it's like, that's all I can do that day. I can't, I can't stream Doom and then do a little game development that night. I just can't. I can't get my brain okay, to do okay. that. I don't know what's That's wild. On. Yeah, it's, it's weird. It's probably not good, but... uh. I'm going to record this podcast and I'm raiding right off the baby. <laughs> Holy, that's a brain Big bender. Shift. How does he do it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's weird. Well, I feel like like my job right now, which I guess I won't go into too much detail into, but I have to do writing and then I might have to do some art and then I might have to do, you know, like web mastering stuff. And then I feel like not only do I... I kind of, like, I mean, not only do I have to do that in a lot of scenarios, but I feel like my brain really enjoys it a lot. I get very bored when I have to do, like, if I'm doing the same stuff for too long, I need to have changes, like, creative shifts. That's why, like, even just in, like, one Doom map, I will have to, like, change the themes, like, a series of times so that uh, it's interesting to me because I, I just get bored very easily i mean i can enjoy a, a shift for sure um but yeah i don't know in in do mapping i do like keeping a consistent theme but i'll i don't know that's a weird one i haven't do mapped enough to like give theming advice so people get upset about it so like <laughs> i like I, that shifts? was one of these things well, this is one of those things that I was talking about where it's like I was confident that I wanted to maintain, I was going to have different themes throughout my maps and that wasn't something that was going to change. But I had a, like, I had feedback from several people where they're like, oh, like these color combinations, like, I, I don't know if it goes with like the rest of the map and like the theme here is different from I... the earlier part of the map or whatever. And it's like, well, that's cool that you're giving me this feedback, but I'm not going to use it. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's not useful to me personally. I personally like like a stark shift when I'm going through a map as a player where like 
you know, you go into an area and all of a sudden it looks completely different. It's like, what's about to happen here? Is this going to be a big fight or, you know, it just gives you a whole like mood shift. Yeah, to me, that's important in terms of, I mean, Doom is all about like visual storytelling or like storytelling through gameplay or in the world or whatever, or through design. Like you don't have like a script, there aren't cutscenes, so... If you want to do storytelling, you have to do it through things that occur to the player, like during the experience. So one of the things that you can do in Doom is like shift themes around with, with textures and, and stuff. So I feel like really it's just another tool to utilize. And and I went to like a lot of effort to make sure that texture themes blended. So there would be like elements of one theme still present in the other one so that the map still felt cohesive mm -hmm. but i still wanted like big shifts so that people would open like the level would open up into a space and the player would be like oh shit it's like a whole new a whole new area a whole new world to explore i mean i feel like a lot of my favorite games do that i mean like god i need to stop talking about dark souls at some point <laughs> i but... knew it was gonna come up <laughs> But Dark Souls, you know, like, a, a lot of that is, like, you go to a new area and it's like, oh, shit, now I'm in, you know, the forest and all the enemies are themed differently. And then you might go to, like, a lava place or... And, I mean, it goes back to before that, like, Banjo-Kazooie, Mario 64, these were areas that were, like, you know, strict theming or whatever. But each map that you go into could be something completely different and abstract, which I, I always really liked. Yeah, I th I think that's that's that hub world sub world format that was so uh, popular back in like probably because of Mario sixty four, but back in uh, like early three D platformers where you'd see like even like Jack and Daxter would come out and you're not going through portals anymore because they're trying to do like the first you know uh, game with no loading screens basically, but you still have the sense where like you know you're the hub world is like Sandover Village and if you go to the right you're on a beach. But if you go to the left, you go out to a deep jungle and it's a completely different theme, but it's just a fun way to keep it fresh and to kind of tie things together in the zone that they're in. But I wonder if people are giving you flack for that in like a Doom map, if there's some kind of idea about like the the theme of the map is sacred. And if you want map two to be a completely different theme, then that's fair game. But like once you tell us what the theme for map one is, you have to stick to that. And there's just some kind of player expectation about that. Well, there's certainly elements as well of like, oh, well, if map two looks completely different, then it starts to feel like a compilation of maps instead of one cohesive journey or whatever. Which, to me, A, I don't really care if it if I play a one and it feels like a compilation of maps. Uh, if that's the intention of the mapper. Um, for me, I wanted it to feel like it was like fairly cohesive in terms of a trip to the maps but i wanted to have different themes so uh a lot of it was like i would add a bunch of new textures into the resource pack or whatever and then i would go back into previous maps and i would add those textures to oh, the previous smart. maps in subtle ways so that then the theming would still continue through all the maps but i could shift theme so that you kind of still had cohesion without it feeling like jarring or whatever and then nobody but, noticed and commented on it and it broke your heart <laughs> <laughs> yeah well exactly yeah i have to bring it up on my own podcast just to <laughs> really get my praise nice good job um you mentioned earlier that you 
are you spend time in the document phase at the start of a project, which I find fascinating because my brain doesn't work that way. There is no document phase for me when I start a project. So my question is, at what point do you know that you're ready to move on from the document phase to the game? Like, how much do you actually want to know? How much do you want to have planned out before you start developing that project? It definitely depends on the size of the project, but I have a couple, like, let's say, like, three main projects that are, like, my dream games. Those have had a lot of documentation, whereas I'm always adding to the docs. Um, but I, you know, I spent probably at least like a month just writing before even getting to choosing an engine or anything like that. Um, I just want to make sure like I can, you know, do a little bit of a storyboard, make sure things make sense. I'm not a writer in any sense. So that was very new to me as well. But I guess that was another thing I was kind of scared of before. That's probably why I'm doing the document phase because <laughs> I wanted to make sure I could write something that would at least be a little bit cohesive. And yeah. And then I just started documenting like the features I'd want in the game and how they'd interact with each other. Um, just so that I wasn't adding, I, I can kind of trim the fat before I've even begun coding. Like, if something's just sticking out as like it just doesn't fit with the rest of the features like i'm like to give an example of like i'm working on a zelda style game so i'll list out like all the items i want the player to be able to use and if something like you you get an item per dungeon it just like zelda and you know if something's just not working even in the text form like i'm i'm just writing it out and writing descriptions for everything and it's how you would use it as a player and like I try to think the, the pros and cons of like, is this worth having in the game? Is it worth coding? And if that's just not adding up, I just, I just cut it right there before I've even begun. So it's kind of nice. Wow. So you're mostly doing these narrative based games. Like it's a very, a, a story is important to you in a gameplay experience. Well, I didn't think it was, but when I started trying to design these games, I, I just like having some sort of lore to the world, like kind of in a Dark Souls type way. I don't want to shove it in your face, but like if I'm designing it like an area or a dungeon, I want some like, at least that I personally have thought about the background of why this area exists. It might not be apparent in the game, but I feel like that shines through a little bit. Like at least, like you could tell thought was put into each location if, if as a designer, you've at least thought like, okay, there was some big battle fought here. So there's, you know, some kind of graveyard, this and that. And like, you just kind of build like a false history that ends up being the lore of the game. I, I just like to add a little bit of that. This sounds like yeah, such a healthy and responsible approach to development. <laughs> Yeah, but, hey, man. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, though, you're getting more done than I am. <laughs> like, you're making well, maybe, a game right? Maybe. Well, it depends. Like in the grand scheme, it depends how much work I have to throw out that I wouldn't have had to throw out yeah. if I'd planned ahead a little more. Uh, so it's a very dangerous yeah. way to work. It's I I started doing it this way because I uh, I am a writer. I'm not any good, but I hobbyistically have been writing for a long time, and right. 
I had the phase in my early years where I would sit down and try to plan everything out, and then I would never, ever finish anything. I would never start yep. anything because I needed it all to be perfect. Uh, I have that sickness. So when I stopped and I, I realized that anything that I'm working on is a living document and I can just start writing and anything that sucks, I can just change whenever I want. I started yeah. enjoying the process way more and, and finishing things. And it became more of less of trying to invent something. And it became more a process of discovering something where I would just write a scene and then go, oh, I don't like this. I'd change one aspect. And then I'd realize, oh, now this is a story about this other thing. And then I'd go yep. from there and I'd have more fun. So I, I think we approach this in different ways, but I recognize that yours is probably uh, arguably the the better, safer way to do it if you are a healthy enough person <laughs> where you can do it the I way mean, that you're doing. Yeah. I do get, I do tend to get stuck in the document phase too long though, because I, I also like things to be, you know, polished and, uh, you know, I end up thinking about ideas way longer than I should where as if I just tried to code the idea, I might realize if it's a good, you know, if it works faster <laughs> than just thinking about the interactions rather than seeing them. Yeah, I'm sure it's a it's a case by case thing, too. It depends kind of what you're talking about. And yeah, if you can if you can see those effects uh, in an objective way at any point, because it might be the case that you could you could plan it out and then code the feature and then play test it and still not know objectively. Oh, yeah if it was a good idea. So yeah, yeah, it's a big mess. It is. It's a large <laughs> mess we're in here, <laughs> like game design. And then you never know because a feature that didn't work at all, you might add a second feature and then the way those interact makes both features good. Yeah, so, that's true. It's, it's difficult. <laughs> and sometimes you, you build a whole game because you had one core mechanic that you like. And then at the end of the game, you realize the only thing that sucks or maybe the worst part about the game is that core mechanic. You built the whole thing around. <laughs> oh, you ripped no, that yeah. out and now your game's better. And it's like, wow, that's weird. <laughs> yeah, that is. A, yeah. I haven't run into that yet. But, you know, as I build these smaller projects, you know, I'm looking out for that one. Yeah. What? Um. Because you've talked, I feel like you've talked mostly in reference to this bigger yep. game, the, like the Zelda Cell game. What about these smaller prototype things that you're putting together? Like, what were the purposes of each one? Like, were they to learn individual skills uh, in each case, or was it just deliberately trying to get yourself out of that document phase? Or <laughs> like, what was the what was the reason for these? Yeah, they were just to like. I put skills into use, really. Um, I want to do where I bring them all the way through to like a finished product, like Game Jam style. But yeah, usually I end up just doing prototypes. Like uh, for instance, I don't know. What do you call those games that are like top-down shooters? Like you're, you're flying like a little airplane. Is it Shmup? Bullet Hell? Bullet I mean, Hell? sort of Bullet Hell-y. Yeah, it could be Bullet Hell. It could be Shmup. could be like Twin Stick Shooter, depending on okay, the mechanics. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, like a month ago, I I was like, that sounds like an easy prototype to make. And I started messing with it in Unreal Engine. And I got pretty far, but I was trying to model it after Toho, which I'm not sure if anyone's played, but <laughs> they have a lot of bullets on screen at a time. And I started to run into a lot of interesting problems, whereas... Like the default actor in Unreal, you cannot just spawn like 
10,000 of those and the game runs fine. <laughs> so <laughs> you know, I had to resort to like particle systems and then, you know, getting events when particles collide turned out to be a giant pain in the ass. And then I tried to strip the actor class all the way back to just having nothing in it, no networking, no. I, you know, I ended up learning a lot of stuff, but I never got that prototype done because. I don't know. It just ended up being so much more difficult than I expected. Yeah. <laughs> but you got Urga battle, dude. Yeah. <laughs> but that like, is what happens every time, right? As, as you, it's, it's just not yeah. really possible to know how long something's going to take or what problems you're going to run into until you've mm-hmm. done it. I forget if I've already said this on the podcast, but I, the, the one saying that I, I got from Ponky that was like, and I don't know where he got it from. It's just an old saying, but it's like the first 90% of the game takes 90% of the time. And then the last 10% takes the other 90% of the time. There you go. <laughs> and it's just, yeah, yeah you'd, you'd never, you'd never see that stuff coming or just polish takes forever. You, you finish your game and you're like, okay, I'm like two days away from release. I just need to fix up these things. And then those things take three weeks to do. Yeah. Yeah, and it just never ends. You keep finding things to, to fix and yeah. performance problems, and yeah, it's it's just too many different technical skills together at once, right? You're doing your modeling. It is. And it's like got, every, yep, every skill combined into one art. <laughs> and you're doing it all. Is that you're doing the art? You doing? Are you doing the music yourself? You're making your own sound effects. Uh, I'm not gonna do the music. That is one thing I've decided. Like sound effects and stuff i'm just gonna get some kind of library and probably end up editing them and stuff but you know however sound is something i've cut off. i've put in the restricted section of my mind <laughs> i'm just not gonna touch <laughs> it's police lines around yeah mm-hmm. there's no i think sometimes people get egotistical about wanting to do everything themselves or it's not their game but uh yep. you, i think you need to be wise about what you can do and what you can't do and where your talents are and uh, there's a reason yeah. i'd never do the art for my games because i'm absolutely fucking clueless so you know it's always about outsourcing that and i would have fun doing the music for my games but i wouldn't do it as well as a really accomplished musician so i'd rather right you know reach out to uh, uh my buddy josh or you know whoever whoever's willing to do that for me uh so I think that's I think that's smart. Yeah, if you're just gonna use a sound effects library, hire a musician, that sort of thing, because people will be able to tell if you didn't, and it's gonna hurt your yeah. game. <laughs> yeah, and one thing I was, well, I don't even know if this is true, but I was thinking the other day, like instead of worrying about making sound and music and all this stuff, and that if you're gonna make a giant project and try to do it on your own, uh maybe just do the things like the programming and the stuff you're good at and make it as good as you can. And maybe like you could attract some people to, you know, help with the game once it's looking, you know, somewhat playable. <laughs> like I feel like you, you, it's much better than asking for help at the beginning when people just don't, well, unless they're friends or something, but like if you ask for help on a project and you're like, this is this massive idea and you know, they just don't believe you're ever going to get it done. No one wants to invest the time in some dream. Uh, but if you can show that the gameplay is really fun, you know, you've got this art in there 
and you know the mechanics are great like it's a lot easier to attract someone to that dream that might write you some music or you know for a percentage of the the sales or whatever it's it's just a much better system i think yeah on the one hand there's like this is real now yeah now exactly but then yeah there's also yeah send them the build of the game and they play it and then they might go oh my god i love this game you know can i make music for this game i think it's great and then it's yeah and then you have somebody who's a little bit more impassioned and behind the project uh so you might you might get better art out of them if that's the case and all sorts yeah. of things. But yeah. And I also like your strategy of just kind of sectioning it off and doing it later because it allows you to, at the very least, decide later if you're going to do that yourself or not. Mm-hmm. Right? You don't have to yeah. commit to it now. And that's going to introduce delays probably in your project timeline. But if you can stomach that, then it's just nice to not have to really be juggling as many balls at the same time. Yeah. That's the whole thing. <laughs> I think it's also, though, that psychologically i think if you have to do each component and learn each component yes. then you feel like you're coming back to square one a lot so i think it just affects you in terms of like you'll be doing the component that you know how to do and then it's like okay well i can't finish this component until i know this component and then you you go yeah. and you have to start from scratch again and then <laughs> That constantly happening over and over again is a really great way to never finish something, I think. Oh, yeah. It's hugely deflating. When I did that game with Ponky in April, we switched to Godot Engine, which I hadn't used ever at that point. And uh, mm-hmm. we switched, therefore, from C-sharp to GD scripts. And then the style and the approach to the programming was different because Ponky was kind of leading the charge there. And his style is very different than mine because he's actually good at what he does and so (laughs) having to sit down and make this game that month and it just became a much less enjoyable process when it's like i don't know anything anymore i have like no skills to fall back on here i I feel like a total beginner i'm constantly having to run to ponky like hey i can't get this thing to work i'm i'm messing it up and we're on such a tight schedule here and yeah nirvana is exactly right that if you're doing everything yourself you're doing the art and the music and the sound effects and the writing and anything that you aren't familiar with it's got to be so demotivating to be like, well, now I got to start at square one here. And not only am I bad, but I it'll take me a long time before I'm even good enough to recognize how bad I am and and right. why I'm bad and what to diagnose. Yeah. And you're just blind the whole time. And it's, yeah. <laughs> it's very disconcerting. I mean, it also just takes away from those fruits of your labor moments, too. So you just end up. Because, I mean, the road from not knowing how to do sound to knowing how to do sound, <laughs> like... It's a big road. It's like a 10,000 hour journey, you know, for, you know, if you want to be incredibly <laughs> good at something, right? And there, there are people out there that do it and are passionate about it and they want stuff to do. So you're like, why are you taking work away from them just exactly, so you can right? hate the process of doing it, right? Yeah. Just let them do it. They want to do it. Yeah, that's that's a good thought to have. Like, there is people out there studying this stuff, and they're looking for a programmer or whatever you're good at, and you guys can join forces, and, you know, everyone's doing what they want. It's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I think one of the... Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 you go. Uh, it's by law. I must okay. bequeath it to you. I was just going to say that, like, co- collaboration is obviously, like, a very important aspect to a lot of people's process and obviously you're doing all this stuff on your own um 
but we've worked on a lot of right. stuff together and um yep. i think earlier we were talking about like our sensibilities and stuff and the way that you make fights in in doom and the way you approach combat and stuff and i think a lot of it is like i feel like we enjoy the same amount of balance because <laughs> uh Sobo was talking about tesseract and how a lot of that is yeah. uh zol makes incredibly tight focused encounters that have to be completed a certain way and and they're designed to challenge very specific skills and stuff which both of us enjoy doing as well but i think both of us also enjoy uh like loose combat in doom where it's like a big mm-hmm. open slaughter environment or whatever it might be and the options are like open to the player to, to figure out what the best course of action is um yeah and i do think that like that that kind of contrast is <laughs> super important and i think it's like why it's why sunlust is like the best megawatt ever made basically is because you have wow. the looseness of danny babinga and then the tightness of, of rubik's i think like the two of them coming together and obviously yeah. both can do either but uh, like i do think those elements are like crucial to why the gameplay experience is important but i guess looping back to my actual point um you talked about like game dev being lonely uh in that you don't get to like share a lot of these little moments uh with other people um have you been looking into the idea of like collaborating with people a bit sooner uh than maybe like oh i have a working game now i'll get people in yeah i mean i i have delved in collaboration but uh... I don't know. Like my main buddy that I used to make like StarCraft maps with and stuff. Uh we did both get into game dev at the same time, but like you know, he's really into Unity. Like we butted heads on what engine to use basically. Right. <laughs> my, we both learned different tools and uh I mean we still work together on stuff, but we yeah. Like he doesn't know Unreal. I don't know Unity. Well, I've used Unity. I have nothing against it. I just don't want to have to learn two engines right now. But uh, but yeah, I also find, like we were talking earlier, I, I do tend to stick to my guns on like ideas I really like and stuff, and that does kind of rub people the wrong way sometimes if they're not, I don't know. They like come to me with a change, and then I'm like, I'm not changing that. I, I really like the way it is, and I've put a lot of thought into it. And that can be, I mean, it depends who you're collaborating with, but that can be a turnoff to some people if you're, like, not willing to budge on stuff you really believe in. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, I do think collaboration is very good. Um, maybe I'd need to do it. I feel like if I did it on newer projects that aren't, like, my... Like, there's some projects I have a lot of passion for, and, like, I don't want people coming in and changing the things I've spent a lot of time thinking about but like on a new project uh yeah collabing's great and i would like to do more of it i think uh two two approaches come to mind uh in balancing that and the first is that you could only collaborate with people who have entirely different responsibilities from what you have so you collaborate with a musician you i mean you can comment on what you like and what you don't like but it's just you don't have as much skin in the game because you're not doing the music and nobody's making game design decisions except you so that's one way to do it it's just everybody's got their own job 
Uh, and I had a second one and I can't remember what it was. That's so embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> it's happened to me like twice today. So no problem. <laughs> I'm a little bit tired. It's oh, a problem man. for me. That's going to be a problem going forward. <laughs> That's this a, is a problem. On the topic of collaboration. This isn't like a new thing. This is crazy. I, I'm not making this up as I go along. Like I've thought about this before and I just, it's getting so late. I can't remember what my other I, approach to this I, is. I mean, you're talking this about collaboration me. with people who have the same responsibilities as you, <laughs> who are like, like in terms of both working on level design, uh, things like that. <laughs> It'll come to me. We'll do it next episode. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> just email it to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll write in to the yeah. next episode. <laughs> but yeah, the, the compartmentalization is a good approach. Like that's yeah. that's the go to if you can't uh, if you're not willing to budge on things. And then I mean, it, yeah, it's obviously case by case. Like it's not like I'm not willing to budge on anything. But if I do really like an idea, I am much less willing to budge on it. <laughs> I mean, we've both definitely had instances where we've been working together and there have been things that one of us really wanted to keep i feel like it's yeah. usually major feature decisions too so <laughs> yeah yeah it's like we're keeping this because <laughs> like the this gz doom thing that we've talked about it it has a lot of elements and it has a lot of big like features i guess that are, like have a huge impact on how the, the wad will play right so like and these will have cascading effects on, which happens in game dev all the time, I guess, where it'll have a cascading effect on how the rest of, like, the ward is played. So, like, uh, we've obviously had to have some big discussions of, like, well, if we do this, then this is going to happen and then we can't do this or whatever. So we've definitely had sticking points. But, yeah, I, I think it's important to find somebody who you can collaborate with, who's on a similar wavelength. Because right. I feel like in all of those instances, even when we fully disagreed, I think we're both willing to compromise in, in certain ways that exactly. will make it work. Right. Like, it, it does work out in the end. And, yeah, it's it's all case by case. It's just that you need to collab with the right person, basically. Like yeah, Sometimes you'll be... You'll have a situation where you're disagreeing on how to do something with somebody, but you can tell that to them it's very important and to you it's not that important, yeah. in which case you just give up the ground, right? They right. say, oh, I think we yeah. should, I think the music should sound like this. And you're like, I don't, I don't think it should sound like that. I think it should sound like this, but like, it's not the end of the world either way to me. And they're like, oh, it's the exactly. end of the world to me. Then yeah, you just let them do that. And then that's collaboration, right? Right. Yeah. Some give, some take. I feel like yeah, we've had sure. that with the podcast already, where there are things <laughs> where, I don't know, one of us will put an idea out there and then maybe there's like a bit of like, ah, oh, well, I don't know about that. Maybe we'll do it this way. And then eventually one of us is like, ah, whatever. I don't care enough. You <laughs> we'll just do it. The other. Just do it. <laughs> just <laughs> You've just got to do it. I think as long as you have two people who both want to see an end product that is good, you're generally right. going to be able to find some middle ground. And, it, and sometimes, like, we're helped by, I think, how chill and laid back we both are, but then also hurt by it, because we're both like, well, I don't care. <laughs> how do you oh, come it's to the worst, dude. I, <laughs> dude. I'm very like, ah, I'll do anything. Like, whatever. And then it's not helpful to anyone. And then if the other person is also the same way, then, then neither of us are helping each other. So that's definitely a problem to work around sometimes. Yeah. And then sometimes you just, you feel that responsibility where it's like, okay, I'm just going to put my foot down. 
on this. I don't care. You don't care. We're getting nothing done. So I'll just, I'll just pretend to care for a moment. I'll be like, (laughs) we're doing it this way. (laughs) Yeah, that's good. Damn. Yeah. Somebody's got to get something done at some point. Someone's got to wear the (laughs) pants in this relationship. And that somebody is Nirvana. I think we share the pants. That's the important part to a success. Each in one leg. Nice. Well, I think uh, we're getting to the end of our our time here, but uh, there was one other thing I wanted to ask you about Uh, in your your journey through game development. You've been picking up all of these new skills. Has anything stood out to you as either surprisingly engrossing where you think, oh man, I, I didn't think I'd like this as much as I as I do, but I'm just in love with it. And uh, in that same vein, has, has any of those kind of eclipsed your interest in game design? Where now you're realizing you like game design, but even more so than that, you like making 3D models in Blender, for example, to give you an answer that's wrong, so you can correct me. You know, you weren't wrong, though. Like, oh. Blender. <laughs> <laughs> Believe it or not, it. I did not expect to like it at all when I got into it, and... You know, I've actually gotten work from it now that I'm messing with it. And I never expected that. Like, oh, good I mean, for like you. product rendering and stuff like that. I mean, and I, yeah, it's very fun. I, and it uses a lot of similar things to game engines. I mean, texturing and stuff is all done through a shader graph. And uh, yeah, I mean, all the game dev skills just come right in handy with using Blender. It's, it's yeah, it's a very big surprise to me. Wow. I, and, I picked the one that made me want to vomit in my mouth for me personally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you just I mean, left for it. Yeah. I mean, that's it. But that's awesome. Yeah. And then, like, recently I was using it. Uh, Street Fighter came out and I, I just started modding that game for some reason, just, just for Blender practice. Like, I started modding the characters and stuff just to get some experience with like AAA characters. And like, you can edit their animations, you can, you know give them new clothes, do all sorts of stuff. So it's been a good time. That's fantastic. I, I'm I'm like endlessly interested in how complete and polar opposite we seem to be in how we approach things and where we get our, our enjoyment out of. And that just makes me even more interested in uh, trying your stuff as it comes out because I feel like you'll be making stuff that I would never even think to make. <laughs> And it'll be really enjoyable. Right. Well, it's funny, though, because I feel like the two of you have very similar sensibilities in terms of what you enjoy in games there. Like, especially in Doom. Like, all three of us have, we get very, like, pretty much the same enjoyment out of uh, very difficult mechanics and, and, you know, things like that. I do feel like you two are actually quite similar, even if you're design philosophies are kind of different well i'm just doing it to impress the ladies so i don't know if you make this the same (laughs) is that your goal (laughs) how's it going not well (laughs) they're not impressed um (laughs) i don't know what i'm doing wrong oh maybe i need to consume more manosphere media who knows spend more time in (laughs) spend more time in the uh document phase um, I did have one question. I was I was wondering what engine do you use? Are you using Unity or because you mentioned going to Godot? Uh, yeah, the monthly game project has all been Unity. Yeah, nice. it's what I'm most familiar with. When I did a couple game jams back uh, like three, four years ago, uh, it was all Unity at the time. And so I kind of put in the legwork to learn that well enough that I can do things really, really, really quickly. And there's no... Yeah. 
translational step anymore where it's <clears throat> you're thinking, hey, I want to put in this mechanic and there's no, oh, how would I go about doing that? I just already know how I normally do that right. or things of that yeah. nature. So it's just very smooth. But yeah, Ponky was trying to get me in a Godot because it's it's just very lightweight and my PC sucks and I can't run Unity and Google Chrome at the same time to read documentation. Oh my God. So <laughs> he's like, come over to Godot. And uh, and Godot was really nice to work in too. There's some neat features there. But yeah, if I'm going to build a game in a month, I'm going to, it's the devil you know, right? So. Oh yeah. Uh, familiarity is key. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. It's not a Unity recommendation for sure, but that is, that is what I you mean, see me using. Yeah. I don't use Unity, but I have nothing against it. I, the thing was when I started to get into game design back in like, it was probably about 2012 or so. Well, okay. This is when I switched to like using a full engine, not when I got into game design. Um, I tried Unity, but I ran into like some weird stuff with the character controller and I, I, I like posted on some forms and people were just like, that's the way it is. And like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> And it just disturbed me as a new user. Like my character was like skipping around because something to do with like, I don't know, maybe it was a frame rate problem or some kind of, I don't know, but it just turned me off on the, yeah, it's just a small thing. And then, you know, we're kind of silly when we're getting into something. I was like worried that Unity couldn't produce the kind of game I wanted, even though it's just an engine. Like, <laughs> and then you see Unreal and it's like, oh man, they made like Splinter Cell and all these AAA games on this engine. And I like Mortal how Splinter Cell games. is the one that you went to. I love Splinter Cell. Okay. It's from like <laughs> 20 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> they produced the highest tech game, Splinter Cell. It did. Splinter Cell looked so good when it came out on like the original. Sort of perfect art, was... dude. That game now, dude. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. The Unity experience is definitely like at least once a day you'll go, why is this like this? Why? Who would that, want this this way? Uh, but I think that's anything you just get to know well enough. Like nobody's exactly. going to be doing things how you would do them. So you're just going to get pissed off <laughs> the more you yep. learn about yeah. something. And I, I, yeah, I don't even think it was Unity's fault that I didn't stick with it. Like it's because it was my first experience and I just like didn't know how to do anything in the engine. And then, you know, just by virtue of trying that for a year or so and then going to unreal like i already had more experience so like i kind of knew how things should work from coming from unity and so i just you know it's like this is a fresh thing i gave it more of a chance well a lot so, of the time you don't even know why things make sense like why like yeah. if you do photoshop for the first time you don't know why certain hotkeys oh are the way they are or or like doom builder like yeah. It's like, oh, well, like, why do I have this on this button? Like, it should be on this button. You change all the hotkeys immediately. And then, you know, like, I don't know, a year later, you realize, yep. like, oh, if I'd left it the same, then it makes it way easier to do these things. So, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I Every time I open up Unity, I become the human embodiment of Chesterton's fence, where... <laughs> It's it's like I'll encounter something and I don't know why it is the way it is, but I have very strong opinions that it shouldn't be that way. <laughs> I'm just like, change this. <laughs> yeah. Why is this yeah, like this? Yeah. It's wrong. And then, of course, you look it up and someone's like, oh, that's this way for this behind the scenes technical reason that actually makes a lot of sense. And I'm just like, but that doesn't help me. <laughs> change it for me. Yeah, yeah. Or it's like, oh, well, if you're doing this thing, then you want the hockey to be like this or, you know, whatever it might be. Like you want it to function this way because when you do these things 
like it needs to work this way and it's like well you would have no idea about that when you first start out so it just appears to be annoying to you but you don't actually have the knowledge to understand why yeah right there's always smart people behind the scenes and it's easy to forget to have empathy for them and understand that they have thought very hard about it and they have come to a very reasonable decision and you just don't understand why that's the case yet yeah and sometimes Sometimes. they are just wrong but you know yes i (laughs) I was gonna say sometimes (laughs) they are I forget. There was something with Photoshop that really pissed me off the other day, but I forget what it was. So the price. I was trying to save like a probably the price. <laughs> yeah, I like upgraded to the new version, and all of a sudden they moved like exporting a TGA file that I needed for textures. Like I had to go into the options and turn on <gasps> legacy file types. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, one thing <laughs> they like, did what? with Photoshop, I was using a version from a few years ago, and then uh, for work I have like the newer version, and <laughs> for some reason. In the old version, I think if you, yeah, if you held, if you hold shift while you're transforming something. Oh, God. Yep. It makes, it holds the aspect ratio for you. And then in the new version, if you hold shift, it does the opposite. So you want to, <laughs> so when you transform, you just want to do it without holding shift and then it maintains the aspect ratio by default. But it's like, why yeah. would you flip that after like 10 years? I don't know. Oh, that's infuriating. And it makes sense because it's, you're probably wanting to preserve the aspect ratio like 90% of the time plus. Yeah. But like, it just pisses off the existing user base to no end because you're just changing yeah. shit. Yeah, it's just yeah. funny. They also yeah. changed control Z on the same version. Like it used to, flip back and forth like it would undo a step and then redo like you i hate pressed that. it it was not good but now it just works like normal and i expect it to do the undo read yeah i've had the same <laughs> i've had the same problem yeah also a lot of programs yeah. they either use control y or uh oh my con- god is yeah. it control shift z for undo mm-hmm. and in redo yeah 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 sorry I for like redo control y yeah. for redo i like control y as well but i think photoshop Same. is control shift c i don't know if it always was and then con- something like that yeah and control y is another hockey and notepad is also control shift z but word is control y i don't know drives me nuts oh no <laughs> I, I like how kind not that you're saying this but it feels like in your mind the same person designed all of these products <laughs> and you're like why make up your mind <laughs> Well, I just like an industry standard, okay? Yeah. No, I, I totally feel you. <laughs> I'd like buy an old PS2 game and they'd put jump on like the square button and you'd be like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> Dude, Monster Hunter. Well, me and Mega talk about yeah. this all the time. Monster <laughs> Hunter is like you pick up the controller and most games it's intuitive where you're like, okay, this button generally does this. You play Monster Hunter World for the first time and every button does the wrong thing. Like Ooh, like sprint is on like the right bumper, I think, by default, instead of where it would normally be. And then but this is the thing, right? And you would think, oh, I wish I could remap all these controls. But then after you've played the game for a certain amount of time, you're like, this makes perfect sense. Like the game plays yep. a lot better than most other third person RPGs with this control scheme and it just works so well. Chesterton's fence every time. Every time. I remember mm-hmm. buying Fur Fighters once on the PS2, and I never even got through like the first two seconds of it. Because when you boot it up, normally left analog stick is your movement, and right analog stick is your camera, and a first person oh, shooter. No. It was the opposite. Uh, <laughs> oh, right no. analog stick to move, left analog stick. And I tried that for two seconds, and I was like, I will never remap my brain <laughs> to this. I'm not playing this game. And you couldn't, you couldn't remap it. 
uh, either. I mean, and it's just like, have they never played a game before? <laughs> what are you doing? What happened here? That Screaming. one sounds real bad. <laughs> <laughs> Baffling. I don't want to. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to learn that. I don't want that information in my brain. Because once you, yeah, once you master it, you'll be worse at all the other games that use normal, yeah. sane controls. I mean, you're terrible there, Mega. You'll you just change your control scheme all the time. You'll be like, oh, okay. well, now I'm using TFGH instead of WASD because <laughs> yeah, I can get to I the get five it. and six keys better. That's like, well, yeah. why would you want to? Yeah, that's... <laughs> I forget my reasoning for that one, but he's not exaggerating. Those were the keys I used. Maybe you just wanted to wear off more letters on your keyboard kind of balance it out mm. is that possible i was trying to get my thumb to be able to access alt like my <laughs> what the hell dude <laughs> was this for you? final fantasy or was this for like no it was doom, doom eternal oh, don't even, but but doom eternal, hold on dude. and then you hold left the, the weapon here. keys default <laughs> we got to do a little bit of a fact check here there's an alt key right below wasd that your thumb could reach do you not have that alt key on your keyboard I do. I don't know if I like rebound the alts to like custom inputs or maybe I was using period and comma. There was a reason I had my thumb over here. I don't reaching all the way with your thumb is pretty horrible from that position to be fair. No, but if you're on THGF. I love that you could remap alt to be closer, but you don't. <laughs> you remap the WASD to be closer <laughs> to alts instead of. Yeah, dude. I don't know. And I had like shift or the X key was like a pseudo shift. Like it was my sprint key. Uh, this is the worst thing ever. it was interesting okay this, is, like, this know, has I, gone off the rails i used it for one day let's just leave it at you, that <laughs> i can't even see the road anymore <laughs> where we are all right and on that note uh it's been great having you on mega but yeah. we're gonna it's fun we're That's getting fun. out of here yeah no right. good luck good luck with all your game dev uh enjoy your game jams and your small projects and please send some my way i'm super curious to see what you come up with will do yeah and i'm you know yeah. i'm always keeping an eye on your stuff as well oh don't say that oh god no Why i'm watching dude <laughs> well part of this was also i wanted to i wanted to bring the two of you together because uh, i think you're like-minded in a lot of ways and i think you know maybe Megan needs uh, so bad to force him to release a game as well <laughs> yeah, please force <laughs> me to work <laughs> <laughs> oh my I was probably it might turn into like a Highlander situation if we're too similar and I just can't allow you yeah, to exist there can only be one in the same world I exist in yep <laughs> shit <laughs> well I mean you will allow him to win because you're Canadian so oh damn is that our is that how the, the world views us <laughs> I'm just going by your own rules of letting me speak first every time you, you were claiming. Yeah, it's different from like wartime rules. I feel oh, like I, okay. I didn't know that like in wartime. Canadian wartime <laughs> rules. We just can't end podcast episodes, can we? It's just not a skill set we have. I do have to go though, so we're ending it right now. Okay, Mega, end it for us. All right. End us on a big note. Uh.